we've been in a series that we've entitled Help. And for the summer, we're going to be looking at different topics and different things that we as followers of Jesus Christ need help in. And your preaching team spent a lot of time thinking through and planning which things, which struggles, which issues that we would want uh, to address. Now, uh, in week one, we talked about the need to be humble uh, in order to receive help from God. And then last week, Pastor Steve did a phenomenal job in addressing the issue of addictions in our lives and the help we need to uh, get rid of those addictions and to find victory and freedom in Christ Jesus. Today, we're going to focus on the issue of anxiety. And as we do in this series, at every point, we want to address the enemy, the struggle that we're dealing with, and then we want to turn to God, and we want to say, God, before we go to counselors, before we go to medication, before we go to all of those wonderful graces you've given us, as Christ followers, we want to go to your word and ask the question of what is causing us pain and turmoil, what does your word have to say about it? What can you do to help me in my moment and hour of need? And if there was ever an issue that we would need God's help in this day and age, it surely would be in the area and arena of anxiety. Let's face it, we live in anxious days with lots of anxious people. And these issues are big. In fact, if you look at any study or survey, you would learn that 18% of all Americans struggle with the issue of anxiety. In fact, 23%, one in four Americans, say that they deal with it in a debilitating and daily way. They have a severe case of it. Women are 60% more likely to suffer with anxiety, and we'll talk about why that may be in a couple moments. But with regards to ladies, uh, especially if from the age or the time of puberty to about 50 years of age, that seems to be a time where anxiety for our ladies is big. In fact, it's twice as big for ladies as it is men. Now, there's all kinds of maladies and struggles that come along with it. Uh, You have issues in your heart and breathing, blood pressure. You have fear and sadness when it comes to emotion and a preoccupation of dread or, or a negative feeling. It impacts all of who we are. And it's not getting any better. In fact, uh, anxiety has quadrupled since the beginning of the COVID pandemic. It was at 11% for people, and now we see in just one year, in just one year's time, it has quadrupled to 41.1% of Americans. We have a problem, and we have an issue before us, and we need God's help to address the issue that is before us. And kind of like the Israelites, as they stood and were taunted by uh, the, uh, the giant Goliath, we too, many here today, find themselves being taunted and being laughed at and being mocked by this enemy, this giant that we call anxiety. And so what we need to do is we need to ask the Lord for help. For those with anxious hearts, God has a recipe, an antidote to attack anxiety right where you're at. And to do so, we need to look at Matthew chapter 6, starting in verses 25 through 34 this morning. And it's, it's easy for us at times to think, 
Well, back in Jesus' day, those were much more simple times. They didn't have the pressures or, or the issues. They didn't have social media that is, that is causing all kinds of issues of anxiety for our teenagers today. Jesus didn't have to worry about Instagram or TikTok or Snapchat. He didn't have to worry about that stuff. And yet, amidst one of the most well-known sermons, Jesus' longest sermon recorded in all of Scripture, he addresses this issue of anxiety and how we as his followers can find victory against it. So let's look at Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. He says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. How do we attack anxiety? The first thing that we need to do is we need to identify our foe. In the Badal House, one of the favorite uh, set of movies that we love to watch is the Rocky movies. And as boys, we love to watch the storyline of Rocky Balboa fighting all of these different fighters. And if you've watched the Rocky story, you know there's something deeper than just boxing. What Rocky has to deal with is a new opponent in each movie who has different strengths, different abilities, and who wants to defeat Rocky. Rocky comes to a point where he recognizes that the opponent has got gifts and abilities that will make him victorious in his battle against Rocky, and Rocky's job is to figure out how do I defend against it. And so the whole second half of the movie is a different side of training, a different pursuit to a fight that is different than any fight. What we need to do as Christians when it comes to anxiety is we need to look across the ring and we need to size up our opponent. And we need to ask the question when it comes to anxiety, what is it? How does it use itself and its weapons against me, and what can I do to defend against it? So let's identify the foe. First, let's define the foe. Anxiety is defined by Webster as the following, the intense, excessive, and persistent worry and fear about actual or potential situations. It is the intense, 
excessive and persistent worry and fear about actual or potential situations. So, you've got this worry, you've got this fear, and it may be about real things. Real things that are going on. Maybe you've got a deadline at work. Maybe you've got a relational situation right now. It's a real situation. Anxiety can be there. But let's face it, we can make up all kinds of scenarios and situations that aren't in reality that we're anxious about. Wondering about what someone thinks of us or what someone's saying about us behind our back. We don't know if they're saying it or doing it. But we're concerned about it. It is the fear and concern of both actual and potential things. Now, the Bible defines anxiety a little differently. Anxiety in the Bible means to take thought of or to consider. What anxiety in the Bible recognizes is you've got to decide between two things. And we're going to talk about this more in a couple moments. But the idea is is the anxious heart is vacillating between one or two things. So that is is they're thinking through, well, this might happen or this might happen. And so they're vacillating, going back and forth, wondering, being concerned. Now, the Bible says two things about this. Number one, that we can't serve two masters. We're going to either hate the one and love the other. And number two, when we find ourselves vacillating, the book of James says we become double-minded people, unstable in all that we do. And so we've got this situation that is causing us concern and angst. And we need to figure it out. Now, I love some of the anecdotes that people have made with regards to anxiety and worry. Vance Havner said, anxiety and worry are like being in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it gets you nowhere. Corey Temboom, who had much to be anxious about as a recipient of Nazi concentration camps in World War II, said the following, anxiety is like an old man carrying a load of feathers thinking they are lead. See the idea of the potential and the actual? Some here are struggling with anxiety, and it's a big fog in your life. You can't seem to shake it. So let's figure this out. So before we get any farther in this, let me give some distinctions, okay? Because when we talk about anxiety, I want to make sure we're talking about the same thing. So there are four types of anxieties. Number one, there is the natural anxiety, and I got people worked up in the, in the second service because I said, okay, I want you to imagine that a bear just came into the lobby and is coming into the sanctuary, all right? And so the bear knocks down the glass doors and roars and makes this big noise and he's standing seven feet tall. And that response, when you look back at the said bear in the back of the sanctuary, is going to be a sense of actual anxiety, it will then cause a mechanism to take place. Either flight, run for your life, or fight. I want you to know you're at a church where your pastor would protect you against said bear, all right? I said that in the second service and someone said, well, you are as big as a bear. (laughs) And that hurt my feelings. 
But that's natural anxiety, right? When a certain situation, a troubling situation comes, God has created in our psyche the ability to have this overdrive sense of I need to either fight right now or I need to run for my life. That's not what Jesus is talking about. The second one is anxiety as a result of a consequence of sinful behavior. So let's say you've broken the law and you haven't been caught for that yet. And every time you uh, go uh, out and about and you see a police officer, this sense of anxiety rises up. Are they going to get me? Are they going to come and catch me? That sense of anxiety, listen, friends, is that sense you have when you're doing 15 miles over the speed limit and the police officer drives by you. And what do you do? Anxiety does what? Look in the rearview mirror. Is he coming to get me? That is a natural consequence of sinful behavior. It is the husband or wife who has been cheating on their spouse and now they're filled with anxiety because they're concerned their spouse may find out. What that sense of anxiety does is it should thrust us, it should move us to confession, repentance, and restoration. This is not what Jesus is talking about. The third one is a sinful response to God's providential care in our lives. So we know God says he's going to fight for us. We know God says he's going to care for us. He's going to provide for us. We know these to be true statements, but we live. Listen, anxiety takes the promises and truths about God and makes them out to be lies. And so what we do is we say, I know God, you said this in your word, but I'm going to live as if they're not true. So I'm going to live in light of your promises. I'm going to do it my way. This is the anxiety that Jesus is speaking about. And he's saying, don't do this. There's one more issue of anxiety. And that is for some people, anxiety manifests itself in a physiological issue. It causes them to be disorientated and debilitated by panic and persistent anxious thoughts. It keeps them from the ability to go on with the, even the most mundane activities and aspects of life. This is a physiological issue. One of the reasons why many believe that women struggle with anxiety more than men is just basic physiology. They are smaller creatures. And so they have fears and concerns and anxieties more than men do. Let me give you an example. I had a conversation with Amanda once, and we were walking through a, a dark parking lot coming uh, out one night late from, uh, from a store. And I'm walking out, and I could sense that Amanda had a little more fear and trepidation than she normally. I said, are you, are you worried about something? She goes, no, I'm with you. And I said, wait a minute, do you worry about this stuff when I'm not around? She says, all the time. Can I tell you, I have never, not a single moment in my time, ever walked out of a store parking lot. I don't care what time of the night is. I've never worried about walking to my car. My wife does because she's worried about people my size, right? Okay? That's why she married a guy my size. She's like, I better marry one of them and scare the other ones away. Okay? All right? And so that just is part and parcel, ladies, to some of the physiological differences between men and women. Now, these types of anxieties, listen, you need to get some help for. 
If it's impacting day in and day out, you may need, through the counsel of close friends and family members, you may need to seek out a counselor. You may even need to be put on some medication to help. But, but I want to be really clear on this. Medication is a God-given grace, all right? It's a God-given grace. Counseling is a God-given grace. But we so often move to medicine before going to the Scriptures, and so I want to teach, I'm your pastor, and I want to be the prescriber of God's truth. I'm not here to say that medication is bad. You're not going to hear that from me. But what I would rather us do first and foremost is make sure that we are living in accordance to God's prescription before we go to a doctor's. And so, wherever you may find yourself, you need to discern where am I at on this issue of anxiety because you may interpret what I say in a wrong way because I'm talking about a specific anxiety and not another. So with those distinctions and disclaimers in mind, let's talk about some things. Anxiety doesn't rule out contemplation. It doesn't rule out contemplation or contemplating the future. Here's the reason why. There's some older translations of the Bible that will translate the opening verses, do not be anxious, and they translate it, give no thought for tomorrow. And so someone reads in their Bible, give no thought for tomorrow, and that means I can't plan. And that just isn't right. It's a bad translation when it comes to that verse. What it means is that we are to plan. The whole salvation and redemptive story is a plan that is being lived out and worked out by God himself in just the right time, in just the right way. God sent his son to be born of a woman under the law that he might redeem those under the law. Galatians 4.4. 4. We know God is a planning God. It is good for us to plan. In fact, the Bible tells us in the book of James, we are to invite God into our planning. Number two, anxiety doesn't rule out being concerned. So, It is good for us to be concerned. Fathers, today is your day. And the reason why we celebrate you is you have much to be concerned about. You have to be concerned about your wife. You have concern for your family. You have concern with regards to providing for them. And all of these things are okay. What it means is you care about these things You care about the people around them, and you are concerned with them. Now, be careful. Concern can quickly go to anxiety. And so what can happen is is you're so worried about your job that you fly off the handle when something doesn't go right, or you're worked up, you can't sleep, you can't eat because of the job. Anxiety is filling you. It's no longer being concerned. Now, Jesus shows us a balance. Jesus on the cross when he's about to die, shows concern for his mother when he looks down from the cross and he says to Mary, behold your son, to the apostle John, and to the apostle John he says, behold your mother. What he's saying there is, hey, take care of my mom, John. I'm gonna be gone. I'm concerned about her. I wanna make sure she's taken care of. Now, Jesus wasn't anxious about it, but he wanted to show his concern because he was no longer gonna be physically present to take care of his aging mother. It's different. The issue for anxiety is the issue of being conflicted. It's this issue of are you going to believe what God says or are you gonna believe your own circumstances? And so this idea is where am I going? Am I vacillating between my anxiety and God? And it leads to being consumed. 
Did you know the root of the word anxiety in Latin literally means to strangle or to choke? For many here, that's what you're feeling as you're dealing with this. It's choking your ability to do life. It's choking your ability to enjoy life. And in fact, the Bible 22 different times says something about worry and anxiety, and never does it put it in a positive light. Why? Because God loves us so much. He doesn't want us to live there. Now, we've talked about the physical issues that come, the emotional and mental issues. Here's the problem. Anxiety affects us spiritually, and we see that when we face or when we meet anxiety face-to-face. So what does it do? Let's get into our text now. Jesus says, I don't want you to be anxious, And the reason why, point here, is it makes us unfaithful to our focus. It makes us unfaithful to our focus. Verse 25, Jesus doesn't mince any words. I don't want you to be anxious. Do not be anxious about your life. It is not a suggestion. It is a command. What that means is whenever God commands us to do something, it means you and I can do it. God never commands his people to do something that is outside of their purview or outside of their strength and ability. And so what we have here is a command to not be anxious. But why? He says, I don't want you to be anxious about your life, but notice the word at the beginning of verse 25, therefore. We've got to ask the question, what is it there for? It is there for, for verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or will be devoted to one and despise the other. And he says, you cannot serve God and money. Therefore, in light of that, I tell you, don't be anxious. What he's trying to say is just as you can vacillate between money being your God and God being your God, you can vacillate between anxiety and the God in heaven being supreme in your life. And some of you right now are living as if your problem of anxiety is bigger than God himself. And what we've got is, is we've got a problem. Now, notice what he says here. I don't want you to worry about or be anxious about your life. That word life is the most general, all-encompassing word for life. That means God doesn't want us to be anxious about anything. He doesn't want you anxious about work. He doesn't want you anxious about play. He doesn't want you anxious about your kids. He doesn't want you anxious about your wife. He doesn't want you anxious about the past or the future. It is all encompassing. And what it keeps us from doing is it keeps us from seeking, verse 33, the kingdom of God. It's going to keep us from doing what God wants us to do. Anxiety takes our eyes off of God and puts it on our problems. Number two, it causes us to be ungrateful to our Father. Ungrateful to our Father. So Jesus goes on and he uses three examples. He starts with the birds. He says, look at the birds of the air. He says, notice they neither sow nor gather into barns. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Then he goes and he says, listen, don't worry about the future. You can't add a single hour to it by worrying. And then he goes to the fields and he says, consider the fields and how the lilies, uh, they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which he says is here today, gone tomorrow, how much more will he clothe you? And he says, oh, you of little faith. But notice he says numerous times in this passage, your father, your heavenly father. Anxiety tells God we don't buy what he's selling. We will believe our concerns are bigger than him. Now, now this is where worship music is incredibly helpful. This morning, we sang, and we were so powerfully led by our worship team in a song that tells us about our Father. Our God is a lion. He's the lion of Judah. He's roaring with power. He's fighting our battles. That's your Father in heaven, brothers and sisters, This God is so powerful. This God who is so strong. This God who has everything under his control. That every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. This Father in heaven is our heavenly Father who will fight our battles. So, anxiety comes. Whatever it is. And it begins to start talking to you. And you start buying what it says. Brother and sisters, remember that that God who we serve is the God who says nothing, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. That nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And when you begin to do that, notice what happens. God starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And as God gets bigger, listen to me, your anxiety gets smaller, smaller, and smaller. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? For who can stop the Lord Almighty? We said it three times. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Listen, no anxiety, no concern, no care can stop our Lord Almighty for our God is a lion. He's the lion of Judah. And that's, my friends, brothers and sisters, before we go and talk to our doctor about anxiety, Christian, we have a heavenly Father who says, I love you, I care for you, I'll protect you, I sent my son to die for you, I'm sanctifying you, I'm guaranteeing your eternal salvation, you have hope in me. Don't focus in on the problems of life, start focusing in on your heavenly Father. But when we allow anxiety to come, we become ungrateful to that heavenly Father. God, you can't handle it. God, you can't deal with it. Notice it causes us to be unbelieving when it comes to our faith. Notice what the the passage says in verse 32. For the Gentiles, other translations may say the pagans or unbelievers, They seek after these things. Let me tell you something. There is one group of people who should be anxious. That is unbelievers. If you're an unbeliever here today, that is you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I'm going to tell you something. You should be altogether anxious. You should be filled with worry and dread. Why? Because you're all on your own. You have made a decision 
that you are going to live life apart from God, and God who has said, I want to fight your battles, I want to be your Savior, you said, no, I'm, I got it, I've got it covered, I'm going to take care of it, you should be filled with dread because you're on your own with your money, you're on your own with your marriage, you're on your own with your kids, you're on your own with your job, you're on your own with your future, you are on your own. You've got a lot to worry about, but the child of God has nothing to worry about. We have a Savior who died for us, who loves us, who cares for us. And you say, well, you're just repeating yourself. Because sometimes anxiety needs a sledgehammer of God's truth to break through so we can be reminded of how truly great we have it. And so we need to recognize that anxiety causes us to stop believing. We stop believing that God is there, one commentator put it this way, anxious thoughts take the believer out of the realm of believing the truths of God and into the realm of the unbeliever to believe God is a liar. We start believing as the pagans do. We start believing that God isn't strong enough, that God isn't able to address everything that concerns us today. And so in times of difficulty, you and I, have to draw close to God or we will drown. We will drown in our anxiety and worry. Well, that leads us to one final step and that's we gotta use God's weapons to prevent failure. I'm not gonna tell you just to stop worrying and not do anything about it. What are we to do when we worry? We will worry. In this world, we'll have worries and anxieties. That's not the issue. You are not sinful. You are not messed up because you have worries and anxieties. Worries and anxieties are a part of life. They are true for the unbeliever. They are true temptations for the believer. What are we going to do about them is the question. Look at verse 33. But seek first his kingdom. God says the best way out of an anxious heart is to be one who is busy doing something. Because anxiety gets us sitting and simmering in all our worries and concerns. And and what God says, I want you busy. I want you seeking my kingdom. Now notice, why doesn't he just say, seek me? Why does he say, seek my kingdom? Because he wants to reiterate, this is his. The life and all the troubles, he's in control of it. And so what he wants us to do is to look beyond our anxieties and our worries and look to the God who is sovereign over them. And so I want to start focusing in on him. I want to focus in on his righteousness, his goodness. I don't want to focus in on my situation. That's what the devil wants me to do, is to focus in on my problems. God wants me to focus in on the solution, following and honoring him. It involves developing a strategic program. So we get a priority. We're going to seek first God and his kingdom. Now we're going to develop a program. What's the program? Verse 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So let's stop there. One commentary put it this way. Write this down. It may be helpful for you. Anxiety causes us to dwell on things. So don't dwell on tomorrow's stress. That's what the passage is saying. Don't dwell on tomorrow's stress. Don't dwell on yesterday's mess. And don't dwell on today's success. 
Some of that will help us right away. But there's still worry. So what do we do when after we've stopped dwelling and we've focused in on God and His Word, what do we do? Well, we've got to go outside of what Jesus says, and we've got to go to the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4. And I want you to write down at the bottom of your outline these six words. And it comes from Philippians 4, 6. Here's the six words. Worry about nothing or be anxious about nothing. Pray about everything. So, if you still have anxiety after all this is done, God says in Philippians 4, 6, be anxious, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So if you still have anxiety, God says, all right, I love you. I want you to be close to me. I want you to give me your concerns, your anxieties. The Apostle Peter said, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for us. So what we are to do is to take whatever anxiety is still in our lives and we are to throw it to God in prayer. So the first thing that we should do whenever an anxiety or anxious thought comes up, we should go to the Lord in prayer. God, I'm scared. God, I'm worried. God, I'm anxious. And whatever it is, whether it's work or play, whether it's money, whether it's family, whether it's the kids on social media, whether it's that you don't think you amount to anything, whatever you're anxious about, we need to give to God. Because when we give our anxious thoughts to God, Philippians 4, 7 says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Notice what he says there. He says it without caveats and disclaimers. When we present our request to God, the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What two areas does anxiety affect the most? Your heart and your mind. And God says, give me those and I will guard your heart and mind from the anxious things that are driving you to despair. Brothers and sisters, God loves you too much for you to live in your anxiety. Give it to him. Run to him and watch him give you everything you need to find the peace, the joy, and the hope that God longs for us to have.